When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, October 3rd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine, warmer than it has been, but nice. High 80. Tonight, an overnight clear, low 65. And then tomorrow, sun and clouds, just a little bit warmer. High 81. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 53 and clear in New Square. That's up in Rockland County. 54 and clear in West Milford, down in New Jersey. And it is... 59 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. Let's start with a uh, great story. This nine-year-old we've been telling you about who was uh, kidnapped from an upstate park on Saturday evening around 6.30 as she was riding her bike through this park. Has been found. She is okay. And she was actually kidnapped. Of course, lots of people throwing out theories of what may have happened to Charlotte Cena, the nine-year-old. But it ends up she was abducted from this upstate park over the weekend, found safe in a camper belonging to the person who allegedly kidnapped her. So this is a crazy story. So she is kidnapped from Moreau Lake State Park in Saratoga about 6.30 in the evening on Saturday. Her family is hanging out in the park. She goes for one last spin on her bike around this loop and never comes back. And the family freaks out. The police search the area. They find the bike, but not her. And the break in the case came on early Monday morning at about 4 in the morning. The man who had allegedly kidnapped her writes a note, a ransom note, and goes to the family's home and drops that note in the family's mailbox. This is about four in the morning. They find the note uh, Monday morning. Uh, they hand it over to police. Police look at the fingerprints on this. They look at the writing. They enter the fingerprints into their database, and it matches those of a guy who had been arrested for DWI a number of years ago. It's a 47-year-old Craig Nelson Ross Jr., and so they're instantly able to figure out where he lives, and it's not too far away from this family's home, about two miles away. They arrest him. They cuff him and they go to his backyard where he has this camper parked and inside uh inside a cupboard in the camper is this nine-year-old charlotte cena she's fine nothing's wrong with her thank god nothing they think happened to her they you know will uh, interview her and talk to her and have already have since yesterday but they took her to the hospital as traditionally is done in these cases they checked her out everything's okay now uh they're trying to sort of connect the dots. Was it truly a random 
uh, crime of opportunity on the part of this 47-year-old Craig Nelson uh, Ross Jr., or uh, did he seek her out? Uh, that part of the story we do not know, but the great part of the story is police did a fantastic job, and thankfully this dope left a ransom note so they could figure out where he was. Uh, last night, they were celebrating the find of Charlotte Cena and that she is okay. Here's Governor Hochul. It's been a long two days, but tonight our prayers have been answered. We're overcome with relief and gratitude. Yes, so the suspect is expected to be charged later today. After some resistance, the suspect was taken into custody, and immediately the little girl was found in a cabinet, covered. She was rescued. Yeah, so we don't know exactly uh, what happened to her over those 48 hours. She was in that camper, but uh, so far the initial hospital examination finds that she is fine. So that's the kind of ending we like. 505. There is some uh, potentially good news for drivers from New Jersey and Long Island when it comes to congestion pricing. This committee that's going to figure out how much to charge, they met yesterday. The MTA's Traffic Mobility Review Board kicked off the work week by holding a meeting. The point of the gathering was to determine who could be given a break or exemption for congestion pricing. The MTA's tolling plan will bill drivers for entering Manhattan south of 60th Street. So the board says it's eyeing some kind of potential break for drivers from New Jersey and Long Island. That's something lawmakers and officials like New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy have been pushing for. The board will now eventually make its official recommendations for toll rates, which we already know are set to go into effect next spring. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. And we can add a little bit to the story. Interesting moment yesterday. Jano Lieber, the head of the MTA, he was on Fox 5 on their morning news show. And they were asking him about this hearing or this meeting that was going to take place where they were going to decide what was going to happen with congestion pricing. And um, he spit out the number 15. So apparent, and then he and then he smiled and he said, "Well, it could be any price, but it sounds like they've decided on fifteen dollars to go below Sixtieth Street in Manhattan." I won't be shocked if that's a final number because he spit it out. He laughed and he says, "Oh, whatever number we come up with." And when they asked him what the toll price would be, uh, I think you can put your money on it that that's probably what it's going to be fifteen bucks. Now they have to sort out who's going to pay it and how they're going to pay it. By the way. If you think this isn't happening, the transponders to charge your license plates to uh, capture pictures of your card, uh, they're up here on the east side. I was walking up by Bloomingdale's on 59th Street and uh, 3rd Avenue, and there they are. The transponders are ready to go and ready to charge you. The thought is this would begin in May. Now, there's a bunch of legal challenges to congestion pricing coming from Staten Island, coming from New Jersey. Will it be enough to stop it or will this begin? That's the part we'll have to wait and see. But it looks like it'll be 15 bucks. Uh, you'll be charged once to go and you won't be charged if you go in and out during the course of a day. At least that's the thought of this committee as they met yesterday. But still more stuff to hash out. WABC News Time 509. Let's go down to D.C. Texas Democratic Congressman Henry Cuellar said to be okay after he was carjacked last night in D.C. Authorities and Cuellar's office say it happened about a mile from the U.S. Capitol. Cops are looking for three men who they say took Cuellar's vehicle and his luggage. At least one of the carjackers had a gun. There were no immediate reports of any injuries. I'm Mark Mayfield. All right, let's bring it back to New York. 
New York City now going to use telecare for abortion care. New York City's health care system is offering so-called telehealth abortion care access, becoming the first public health system in the nation to do so. Mayor Adams says beginning this week, patients seeking abortion care will be able to schedule a virtual appointment with a New York State licensed health care professional. Our role is simple, to hold and to help New Yorkers make the choices they need safely and without discrimination. A significant moment, again, of matching technology with the demand. Adam says telehealth abortion care allows people to make the choices they need privately and safely. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. 510, let's uh, go down to lower Manhattan, the first day of former President Trump's civil fraud trial here in the city. Uh, finish began and finished yesterday while leaving the courtroom for the day yesterday. Trump slamming the case and maintaining he and his business did absolutely nothing wrong. This was for politics. Now, it has been very successful for them because they took me off the campaign trail. Because I've been sitting in a courthouse all day long. New York Attorney General Letitia James accusing Trump and his family of inflating his net worth by saying his real estate portfolio was worth more than it was, which James says gave Trump better terms than he deserved from lenders and insurers. Before walking into the courtroom earlier in the day, Trump blasted her. I built a great company. That's one thing people are seeing all the way back to 2011. And today... It's much bigger and much better. And the former president also blasting the judge in this state civil fraud trial. This rogue judge, a Trump hater, the only one that hates Trump more is his associate up there. You know, if you haven't been following this thing, it's a big deal. Trump faces fines of up to $250 million. She's screaming into his ear on almost every time we ask a question. Disgrace. One other truth is a disgrace. Yeah, and uh, the president saying that each time he comes back here to New York City, he says he feels like the Big Apple has changed in just the worst way. Anybody that does business in New York State is crazy. Yeah, uh, and then you had uh, Letitia James. Let's hope this is her. The law is both powerful and fragile, and today in court we will prove our case. Uh, sometimes you push the button and it works. That's Letitia James talking about this case. Uh, here's more from her yesterday. Justice will prevail. All right. She didn't have a whole lot to say, but uh, both of them speaking out before and after yesterday's first day of that trial. 512 uh, civil rights groups are calling for more protections for jurors that are involved in the Trump election interference case down in Georgia. The groups have written an open letter saying that the former president's supporters are threatening and harassing prospective jurors in the case. Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis has also asked for more security as her and her family have been targets of threats and racial slurs. Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee has banned reporters and the public from identifying jurors in the trial, but several groups like Public Citizen and Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington say more safeguards are needed, and they say security risks are expected to grow as two of Trump's trials in Atlanta and Washington get closer. I'm Rose Sia Rivera. All right, let's move from the Trump family to the Biden family. Hunter Biden will appear in federal court in Delaware this morning where he's expected to plead not guilty of the gun charges. The president's son was indicted on three felony firearms charges last month, including unlawfully possessing a gun as an illegal drug user. Charges come after a prior plea deal to see the gun offenses dismissed fell apart following scrutiny from a federal judge. Hunter's attorneys have called the charges illegitimate. 
I'm Lisa Taylor. All right, let's down to D.C. Diane Feinstein's replacement going to be sworn in in the U.S. Senate today. LaFonza Butler appointed by California Governor Gavin Newsom on Sunday to take the place of the late senator. Going to be sworn in by Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, here he was yesterday, Gavin Newsom, talking about why he chose LaFonza, uh, LaFonza Butler. The golden wave in California, asking me what my vision was as a candidate for office as it relates to addressing the aging and growing population in California. She was a fierce advocate, as you know, in long-term care. Yeah, a little confusing there, but what he was talking about, she, he says that Butler uh, educated him on the big issues in uh, California, and he says uh, she's the perfect one to hold on the spot for now. Rights, regressions, issues of civil rights and issues of LGBTQ rights, women and girls issues related to voting rights. She's been on the front end of all of these things. Yeah, so it is a huge deal that she gets to take over as senator because that Senate seat is now open. And uh, the question is, will she run for it full time? I wouldn't have pointed someone I didn't respect and admire and someone I couldn't back up and vouch for. So she'll make that decision and uh, look forward to her being on the receiving end of your inquiries and and we'll see where that goes. Now, there are already some Democrats who've declared that they are running for office. And you can imagine how upset they are with Gavin Newsom that they did not choose them. But um, uh, Meghan Markle, that was one of the names that was being thrown around. I don't know if that was serious. If maybe she threw her name out there. But uh, Newsom says Butler clearly stood out. That's why he chose her. And he says, uh, you know, if she stays on, she stays on. She's the only choice. She was outstanding. She's she's the best choice um, and I could not be more blessed. All right, we'll have to see what happens. I'm uh, going to be sworn in a little bit later this morning. 5.15 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, where it looks like, Justin Ellick, the Giants season may already be over. Well, I wouldn't go that far, no. I, I mean, it's very pessimistic of you. Well, they're they one and three. as much, yeah. And they look horrendous. They don't look good. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, not uh, good. no, it's not good at all. Usually, if you score three points in a game, you're going to lose. Yeah. So, or you don't score any, like they did against the uh, the Cowboys. That, that that should do the trick as well. <laughs> yeah, that should do the trick as well. I've I've seen very little zero zero ties in this week. Yeah. So, got to score uh, score points to uh, win football games in the NFL, and the Giants just haven't been doing that, and they didn't do it again last night. They did not have the rebound game that they were hoping for, getting walled by the Seattle Seahawks at home by a score of 24-3 to on Monday Night Football. Seahawks D wreaked havoc with 11 sacks on the night, and rookie Devon Witherspoon added a 97-yard pick six as the Seahawks improved to 3-1 and on the year. Not all that surprising given the beating he took, but Daniel Jones had another rough night numbers-wise, passing for a mere 203 yards while also losing a fumble en route to the Giants' third loss of the year. Head coach Brian Dable spoke following the game on maintaining confidence in his players and his coaches. You know, defensively, we did a lot of good things. Um, you know, didn't get the job done. I had too many penalties on special teams and uh, didn't score on offense. So, you know, got to figure out a way to make that better. I have a lot of confidence in the guys in the room. I know it's the results haven't shown up. We've, you know, we took some pretty bad beatings. Um, but you own it, you move on, and got a lot of confidence in the, the players and the coaches. Things won't get uh, much easier for the G-Men as they're set to make the trip into South Beach next Sunday. 
try their hand at the three and one Dolphins. Oh the, God! Yeah, well, Dolphins. Listen, the Dolphins <laughs> didn't, didn't look like uh, they had looked in weeks uh, weeks past. This week, at least. Yeah, but so, they were playing the Bills. So. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So <laughs> it could be a disaster. Another disaster in waiting uh, for you, at least, Gnome. But we shall see. We shall see. In baseball, the wild card bouts get underway this afternoon in both leagues in the American League. Five-seed Rangers will visit the four-seed Rays in Tampa Bay for game one of that three-game set this afternoon at 3 p.m. Following that, the three-seed Twins will welcome the six-seed Blue Jays into Minnesota for their opener at 4.30 before the NL action gets underway at 7 p.m. tonight with the six-seed Diamondbacks in Milwaukee to open things up against the Brewers. Wrapping up the day's action will be the Miami Marlins and Phillies in Philadelphia tonight at 8 p.m. for their wild-card series opening. Some news out of Yankees land. Uh, turns out that apparently Aaron Boone is uh, here to stay, Gnome. So hmm. he'll take another crack at, um, I guess, being mediocre next season. Yeah, he did great this year. Yeah, yeah. no, he really did a fantastic job. So, And uh, apparently the same is true for Brian Cashman. So I'm a very happy man this morning. And that's sports. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Yeah, losers. There you go. (laughs) They are. Back to you, know. WABC Newstime 520. Let's go down to D.C. The White House pressing Congress to provide more aid to Ukraine in its war with Russia. To see the continuation of the brave people in Ukraine to fight for their freedom, right, to fight for their democracy. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there telling reporters still a strong bipartisan support to back Ukraine, which is a top priority for the White House. This comes after Congress passed that stopgap bill over the weekend to keep the government open until mid-November without additional funding for Ukraine. There's a bipartisan support, as we have seen from day one, for funding in Ukraine. And she's hoping that the Republicans will get on board. And support being able to make sure Ukraine has the weapons that they need. So he has made publicly his support to Ukraine. She's talking about House Speaker Kevin McCarthy there pledging to provide aid through a separate vote. And that's part of what has Florida Congressman Matt Gates so upset. He's aiming to remove House Speaker McCarthy from his post. He filed a motion yesterday to force a vote to overthrow McCarthy. It's Kevin McCarthy who's out there offering deals to Democrats. So if there's a deal made with Democrats, the only deal is, is to make one with McCarthy. Because I'm not offering anything and won't offer anything. And by the way, if the Democrats want to own Kevin McCarthy, they can have it. The Florida Republican mentioned uh, House Majority Leader Steve Scalise as a potential replacement. The move comes after McCarthy worked with Democrats to pass that short-term funding bill to keep the government open late Saturday. Our number two is Steve Scalise. I think very highly of Steve Scalise. I would vote for Steve Scalise. I would probably vote for at least 100 Republicans in our caucus and maybe 100 other Americans out there who wouldn't necessarily need to be a member of the body to be considered for the speakership. 522, President Biden yesterday celebrating the Americans with Disability Act. The Americans with Disability deserve dignity, respect, and equal chance at the American dream. You'll remember the landmark law signed into law more than three decades ago. It bans discrimination against people with disabilities in employment, transportation, uh, access to government services. Biden praising activists and policymakers who helped make and pass the legislation. One of the most consequential civil rights laws in our nation's history, banning discrimination on the basis of disability by any entity funded by the federal government. Promoted equal access to our communities, authorized independent living services, and research that supports disabled people in living their lives that they want to lead. 523, a new national survey shows that the weather 
has impacted most American families financially. This is according to Bankrate. The Bankrate senior industry analyst Ted Rossman says that the, through the extreme events like hurricanes or tornadoes, they take their toll and it lowers the profile stuff that comes out of these events. It puts a squeeze, he says, on people's budgets. We're talking about things like higher energy costs, which just about everybody is feeling right now. Maybe spoiled food because of a power outage. That was actually the second most common expense. Yeah, so it's those small things like the flooding we had over the week, and it adds up when you have to pay them. And he says families all over the nation being squeezed by these weather events that have become more common. Seventy-two percent say they experienced higher-than-usual electricity bills. Fifty-three percent said those higher-than-usual electricity bills strained their finances. All this is at a time when only about 40 percent of Americans have a $1,000 emergency fund. And I think it just goes to show that even a few hundred dollars here or a few hundred dollars there is really straining people financially. WABC News Time 524. The Postal Service has released its postage stamp honoring the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It features an oil painting of the justice showing her in a black judicial robe and her iconic white collar. In a statement Monday, USPS Board of Governors Chair Roman Martinez called Ginsburg an iconic figure who dedicated her life to public service and the pursuit of justice. She served on the Supreme Court for 27 years and died in 2020 at the age of 87. I'm Mark Mayfield. An amazing night in Baltimore last night. Family, friends, fans gathering at Camden Yards to say a final goodbye to legendary Oriole third baseman Brooks Robinson. Speakers at the memorial service included uh, Cal Ripken Jr., who said his parents encouraged him to be like Brooks, but not for the way he played baseball. It was for the way he handled himself and treated others and for the way he represented the team and the city. We were so lucky to have him to look up to and try to model ourselves after. Robinson's son, granddaughter, grandson, uh, grandson also spoke at this memorial that was attended by Brooks uh, uh, fellow Hall of Famers, including Jim Palmer, uh, Eddie Murray. You can remember them from those great Oriole teams. Uh, lots of them speaking out last My night. My family is so appreciative and overwhelmed by the outpouring of love and affection. You have shown my father over the years, and especially these last several days. I never truly understood how special it was to be named Brooks. I always complained to him that everyone thinks my name is Brooke, and I wish I didn't have a boy's name. But now more than ever, I'm honored to be named Brooks. Yeah, so she was named after her uh, grandfather. So great night in Baltimore last night saluting Brooks Robinson. Everyone's phone going to go off tomorrow at 2.20 Eastern Time, at least as long as this all works. That's because the federal government will be conducting a nationwide test for its emergency alert system and wireless emergency alerts. The former involves an alert to all radios and televisions, and the latter will reach cell phones. FEMA said in a statement that the test, which is in coordination with the Federal Communications Commission, is to ensure the systems continue to be an effective means of warning the public about emergencies, particularly those on the national level. I'm Lisa Taylor. Late Night TV back last night now that the writer's strike is over. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, Jimmy Kimmel all returning. Seth Meyers saying uh, 
He's excited to be back in the writer's room after the 148-day writer's guild strike ended. I think for all of us, we're very excited to hear that people are anticipating our returns. And, you know, hopefully by the second commercial break, they're still with us. Yeah, so the interesting part is they do have a big challenge, right? What drives a lot of these late-night talk shows are the superstars, super-name actors who come on them. Well, the SAG-AFTRA is still on strike, and as part of that strike, they've asked actors not to promote their vehicles or go on talk shows. So they have to find other ways around uh, these segments where they normally would have a five- or seven-minute interview with an A-list star. They can't do that as long as SAG after a strike continues, and there's not really any sign it's ending anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see what these shows do over the coming weeks. The opening bell. It rings this morning after a choppy trading day kicked off the new month on Wall Street. Uh, technology and communication services were the only positive sectors as the yield on the 10-year Treasury note jumped at the closing bell. The Dow fell 74 points. The S&P 500 rose a fraction of a point. The Nasdaq gained 88 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. <laughs> It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Tuesday, October 3rd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine, warmer than it should be this time of year. The high going to be 80 tonight, uh, today. Tonight and overnight, clear low 65 and then tomorrow same sort of thing sun and clouds high 81 if you're walking out the door with us right now 53 and clear in new square up in rockland county 54 and clear in west milford down in new jersey and it is 60 and clear here in midtown we'll start this half hour in the hudson valley where congressman jamal bowman represents a district there of course he under uh, heavy scrutiny after this incident at the uh, Congress and Congress on Washington on Saturday, Bowman says he mistakenly pulled a fire alarm just ahead of a congressional voting a vote to keep the federal government open. Republicans were taking this vote. The fire alarm went off. There's video of him pulling that fire alarm. He claims he thought it was uh, a button or something to open a secure door. Uh, but the pushback hard now from Republicans who say something should happen to him for what they say was purposely pulling that farm fire alarm, even though Bowman says it was accidental. Here's Long Island Congressman Nick LaLota. I saw Saturday the Democrat Party here in Washington, D.C., supposedly the party that has the mantle on good government and democracy, try to prevent the very democracy they, they, they claim to be protecting. They formed a conga line to try to stall the vote. They even tried to push a motion to vacate. And one of its members, Jamal Bowman, pulled the fire alarm, which in anybody else's mind is another stall tactic. Now, the New York Democrat has since apologized, saying his move was in no way an effort to delay a vote. Republicans don't buy that, including former President Donald Trump. I don't know Bowman at all, but Jamal Bowman, a congressman from New York, did something that was as bad or worse. You look at what's happening to the J6ers, and they're putting them in jail for years and years, and this guy pulled an alarm system. And to show you how corrupt they are, he then said when he got caught, he didn't know he was on tape. I mean, I don't know how you can be in the Capitol and not know it, especially after what happened. And he said, 
Oh, he was trying to get into a door. He thought he was opening a door. It was a door two feet away. He thought he was opening a door. It's a red box that says fire alarm on it. He thought he was opening. This is the crap. And then they let him out because he's a Democrat, radical left lunatic. Now Republicans, including former President Donald Trump, calling for Bowman to be censured or worse. It appears congestion pricing will be given a financial break uh, to some drivers. There was this meeting yesterday of the MTA board that's hashing out how congestion pricing will work. At the meeting, they were trying to provide some type of crossing break for drivers coming in to Manhattan from New Jersey and Long Island, right? They already pay a huge toll to go through tunnels and bridges, and then they would have to pay this additional toll to go below 60th Street. Our Carl Weisbrod is on this MTA board making these decisions. One is to keep our toll for everybody as low as we possibly can on the one hand, and on the other hand, try to even out to some extent um, what choices people make. So they haven't yet announced what the discount would be for the congestion pricing toll for drivers from places like Long Island and New Jersey who already have paid a toll just to get into the city. One of the big moves forward, if we can pull it off, and I hope we can, is that we would only charge the toll on entry, not on exit, not on remaining uh, for drivers coming in. And I just think that makes it much simpler for people. If we can do it, I'm hopeful we can. Yeah, there's so many things to work out, not just the hashing out whether people from New Jersey or Long Island would have to pay a toll after already paying some crazy toll to get into the city. But what about the app drivers, the taxi drivers who would go in and out of that zone all day long? How would that work? Uh, they say they're hashing this all out. And the interesting part that took place yesterday, Jano Lieber, the MTA chair, he was on Fox 5 yesterday on their morning show, and they were asking him, have you decided on a toll, what that number would be? We've heard anywhere from 8 to 23 bucks. And he spit out 15, but it was clear he didn't mean to. And then he said, no, 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 that's not the price. But so it looks like if we go by what Jano Lieber said yesterday on Fox 5, it'll be 15 bucks for that toll to go below 60th Street. In May, that's when this is set to start, the transponders are up already to capture pictures of your license plate. The only thing that would get in the way are these potential lawsuits from New Jersey and potentially from Staten Island. So we'll see if those work out. WABC News Time 539. Uh, let's go out to Brooklyn. Ryan Carson, a community activist who was, uh, friends say, on a mission to make New York a better place, stabbed to death. This was early Monday on the streets of Crown Heights. People who knew the 32-year-old say he had dedicated his life to trying to change things for the better. So he was out around 4 a.m., uh, and uh, sources say he was standing in the street with his girlfriend when some guy came up to him and asked him what he was looking at. And then this fight sort of broke out. And the guy who had yelled those words, what are you looking at, stabbed Carson in the chest multiple times. He was pronounced dead at Kings County Hospital. Lots of people saying they're just completely shocked by this crime, including New York Assembly member Emily Gallagher, who knew Carson before ever becoming a politician. I was absolutely in disbelief. If you wanted to talk, he was absolutely always ready to talk, always there for you. It's hard when the person that you go to to talk about grief is the one who died. So 
Yeah. Yeah. In uh, 2021, you might remember Carson from this. He walked from New York City to Albany to lobby for safe injection facilities in New York. Uh, while we're talking crime, a neighbor, a prime suspect now in the shooting that killed uh, a man and a woman and their dog in Washington Heights over the weekend. They were out walking their dog around 630 in the evening when a man came up to them and shot them both in the head, then shot the dog. All three died. And the thought is, and this is what neighbors had told us over the weekend, that there was somebody in the building who was upset that Jackie Bellini, who was the woman that was killed, had dogs in her house and that they were barking all day. And so now they're talking to somebody trying to figure out if that's the connection or if there's more to this story. Oh, I sit on the bench every day and she will walk by with her dog and greet us. She was a sweetheart. Yeah, neighbors saying lots of nice things about Jackie Bellini. Uh, so far, there's been no official arrest, but police are talking to people in the building. New York State going to start the process now of getting migrants who are soon eligible, uh, eligible to work connected with jobs. Governor Hochul says about 400 employers have signed up for a new portal for a state program that will offer about 18,000 open jobs to some of the migrants who've made it here from the U.S.-Mexico border. That can help solve our problems and at least be a start toward reducing the number of people who need shelter in our city. Yes, yeah, so state employees going to be in the city starting today, helping migrants get connected to the jobs. Half the jobs being offered are here in the city. Twenty five percent of them are in the hospitality field. Identifying the Venezuelans, getting the paperwork filled out, getting the app processed, if that's the route they're going to take and literally get them connected to these jobs. And there's a lot of businesses that can't wait for this to happen because they can't get people to work for them. One of them really being the hospitality field. Andrew Ridgie, who's with the New York Hospitality Alliance, says there are not hundreds of restaurant job openings. There are thousands of them. People came here not for a handout, but become self-sufficient. And they can become self-sufficient by getting jobs, learning skills, taking the skills that they already have and applying them to our local businesses. Of course, this all comes after the federal government took action to drastically cut the time. A large number of Venezuelan migrants had to wait to get working permits down to 30 days. Uh, These are for Venezuelans who made it to New York or anywhere across the country for that matter before the end of July they can now uh, get these working papers and begin working in potentially 30 days or less 543 a federal judge is setting a tentative trial date now in the alleged bribery case against New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez the judge said jury selection is set for May 6th prosecutors also raised the possibility at a hearing today there could be more charges in the weeks ahead Senator Menendez was allowed to skip today's hearing so he could stay in Washington, D.C. for the Senate. I'm Lisa Taylor. New York City's health system going to offer telehealth abortion care access now, becoming the first public health system in the nation to do so. Mayor Adams says starting this week, patients in the city seeking abortion care will be able to schedule a virtual appointment with a New York State licensed health care professional through the health and hospital system. Our role is simple, to hold and to help New Yorkers make the choices they need safely and without discrimination. Really proud of this moment, a significant moment, again, of matching technology with the demand. 
Patients must attest to actually being in the city at the time of the call, must attest that they'll be in the city when they take any medication. Adams says telehealth abortion care allows people to make choices uh, they need privately and safely. In New York City, we're never going to stop fighting for a woman's right to choose that care that she needs and the right for all families who are involved. And let's go out to uh, City Field. The Mets introducing David Stearns as their new president of baseball operations. The news comes after Mets manager Buck Showalter was shown the door. And Stearns says he's looking forward to making the Mets a stronger organization. What we're going to try to do is build groups of really talented people at all levels of the organization. Yeah, Mets fans desperate for a better organization. Stearns was most recently Milwaukee's president of baseball operations. And I'm just so excited to have him on board and, you know, to bring on the next chapter of the Mets. Yeah, he's talking about his kids. He wants them to grow up as Mets fans, not Milwaukee Brewer fans. Uh, we're going to ask Justin Ellick about this in just a moment. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. And what do you make of this uh, David Stearns uh, taking over at the Mets organization? You like that? You like uh, the move? Well, I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, but um, I guess if you got to make changes, you got to make changes. The Yankees have something, I guess, they could learn from the Mets here. Uh, making some serious changes, going uh, for going from a bad year and hopefully into a into a rebound year. Where, was where, was Milwaukee good? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Under Milwaukee's him? good. Milwaukee, oh, Milwaukee's right. in the playoffs. Huh, okay. So I mean, they'll they'll kick off a, a three game set today in the wild card round. So yeah, I mean they're a playoff team, you know. And uh, you know, anytime you bring in a guy named Stearns, he should be a smart guy, right? You, you hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, we'll head over to the gr- uh, gridiron here, Nome, to start off. Giants didn't have the rebound game that they were hoping for, getting walled by the Seattle Seahawks at home by a score of twenty-four to three on Monday Night Football. The Seahawks defense wreaked havoc with eleven sacks on the night, and rookie Devon Witherspoon added a ninety-seven-yard pick-six as the Seahawks improved to three and one on the year. Not all that surprising, given the beating he took. But Daniel Jones had another rough night, numbers-wise, passing for a mere two hundred and three yards, while also losing a fumble in route to the Giants' third loss of the year. Head coach Brian Dable spoke following the game on maintaining confidence. And his players and his coaches. You know, defensively, we did a lot of good things. Um, you know, didn't get the job done. I had too many penalties on special teams and uh, didn't score on offense. So, you know, got to figure out a way to make that better. I have a lot of confidence in the guys in the room. I know it's the results haven't shown up. We've, you know, we took some pretty bad beatings. Um, but you own it. You move on. And you know, a lot of confidence in the, the players and the coaches. Things won't get much easier for the G-Men as they're set to make the trip into uh, South Beach next Sunday. Try their hand at the 3-1 and Dolphins in baseball. The wildcard bouts get underway this afternoon in both leagues. In the American League, the five-seed Rangers will visit the four-seed Rays in Tampa Bay for game one of that three-game set this afternoon at 3 p.m. Following that, the three-seed Twins will welcome the six-seed Blue Jays into Minnesota for their opener at 4.30 before the NL action gets underway at 7 p.m. tonight. With the six-seed Diamondbacks in Milwaukee, Nome to open things up against those Brewers. And wrapping up the day's action will be the Miami Marlins and Phillies in Philadelphia tonight at 8 p.m. for their wild card series opener. Sports, I'm Justin Ellick. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Thankfully, a good ending to this nine-year-old who was kidnapped from an upstate New York park on Saturday evening. She was found safe 
inside the cupboard of a camper that belonged to the person who allegedly kidnapped her. This is a wild story. Charlotte Cena, rescued from the home of the alleged abductor. His name is Craig Nelson Jr., 47 years old. Uh, she, if you weren't following the story, she was out with her family in Moreau Lake State Park in Saratoga on Saturday. They were having a nice evening. She went for sort of one last bike ride around a loop on the road there. And that's apparently where she had been kidnapped. And of course, cops searching for her. the break in the case came early yesterday morning when apparently this Craig Nelson Ross Jr. put a ransom note in the family's mailbox. And, uh, of course, that ransom note handed over to police. Investigators entered the prints, uh, fingerprints from that envelope into a database, and they matched Ross, who had been arrested in Saratoga back in 1999 on a DWI charge. So uh, they show up. They race over to his house. Two law enforcement teams and helicopters descended upon the address where this camper was uh, behind his mother's home. They arrest him. They ask her where the girl is. Uh, The girl is found in this camper, in the backyard, in this cupboard. They pull her out. Uh, They say that she looks to be in great shape, as usually they do in these cases. They took her to a local hospital to be checked out, and they said that she was great. So now I imagine they will talk to her in these coming hours as she's reunited with her family as uh, last night and uh, find out exactly what took place. But this is the ending we wanted. She was found. She's okay. The person who kidnapped her, allegedly so, will likely go to jail. Here was Governor Hochul last night. It's been a long two days, but tonight our prayers have been answered. We're overcome with relief and gratitude. Yes, yeah, so and now the question is, was this somebody who was known to the family? It's so rare that you have an abduction of a complete stranger. Was this somebody he had been following? Did he know the family? That the police haven't told us so far. I imagine we'll hear more later today. After some resistance, the suspect was taken into custody. And immediately, the little girl was found in a cabinet, covered. She was rescued. Yeah, so good news to the ending of that story. Charlotte Senow now back home with their family. There is some uh, potentially good news for drivers from New Jersey and Long Island when it comes to this new congestion pricing plan. The MTA's Traffic Mobility Review Board kicked off the work week by holding a meeting. The point of the gathering was to determine who could be given a break or exemption for congestion pricing. The MTA's tolling plan will bill drivers for entering Manhattan south of 60th Street. So the board says it's eyeing some kind of potential break for drivers from New Jersey and Long Island. That's something lawmakers and officials like New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy have been pushing for. The board will now eventually make its official recommendations for toll rates, which we already know are set to go into effect next spring. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Some really dangerous moments in D.C. last night. Texas Democratic Congressman Henry Cuellar is okay after he was carjacked last night in D.C. Authorities and Cuellar's office say it happened about a mile from the U.S. Capitol. Cops are looking for three men who they say took Cuellar's vehicle and his luggage. At least one of the carjackers had a gun. There were no immediate reports of any injuries. I'm Mark Mayfield. The first day of former President Trump's civil fraud trial here in the city, Lower Manhattan, over. While leaving the courtroom for the day, Trump slammed the case, maintained that he and his business did no wrong. This was for politics. Now, it has been very successful for them because they took me off the campaign trail. 
because I've been sitting in a courthouse all day long. New York Attorney General Letitia James accusing Trump and his family of inflating his net worth by saying his real estate portfolio was worth more than it was, which James said gave Trump better terms than he deserved from lenders and insurers. Uh, Trump, of course, pushing back against that. I built a great company. That's one thing people are seeing all the way back to 2011. And today... It's much bigger and much better. The former president blasting the judge in this uh, state civil fraud trial. And this rogue judge, a Trump hater, the only one that hates Trump more is his associate up there. Now, this is some serious stuff. If you have not been following this case, Trump facing up to $250 million in fines. Uh, the president just talking to reporters as he walked in, talking as he walked out, talking about uh, how New York has changed for the worse. That part of what he was saying. Anybody that does business in New York State is crazy. Uh, but Letitia James, of course, uh, who brought this case, pushing it back against those ideas, says uh, this fraud case is real and Trump deserves whatever punishment's coming his way. The law is both powerful and fragile. And today in court, we will prove our case. Justice will prevail. Yeah, we'll have to see. All right. 555. Civil rights groups, advocacy organizations calling for more protections for jurors who are involved in the Trump election interference case in Georgia. The groups have written an open letter saying that the former president's supporters are threatening and harassing prospective jurors in the case. Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis has also asked for more security as her and her family have been targets of threats and racial slurs. Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee has banned reporters and the public from identifying jurors in the trial but several groups like Public Citizen and Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington say more safeguards are needed. And they say security risks are expected to grow as two of Trump's trials in Atlanta and Washington get closer. I'm Rosia Rivera. All right, we'll go from Trump's troubles to the Biden's troubles. Hunter Biden going to appear in federal court today in Delaware, where he's expected to plead not guilty to gun charges. The president's son was indicted on three felony firearms charges last month, including unlawfully possessing a gun as an illegal drug user. Charges come after a prior plea deal to see the gun offenses dismissed fell apart following scrutiny from a federal judge. Hunter's attorneys have called the charges illegitimate. I'm Lisa Taylor. Writer's strike officially ended last week. That meant the late night shows back on for the first time last night. The late show, which of course is done here in New York with Stephen Colbert, back with new episodes. Uh, here was part of Colbert's monologue last night. And obviously it would be stupid to try to recap everything that happened over the last five months. So here we go. All right. So uh, hundreds of fans lining up outside the Ed Sullivan Theater for the first night back. He's brilliant. He's funny. Um, and we've missed him a lot. Colbert coming out to a standing ovation to, of course, mention the writer's strike right away. Thanks to the picket lines, my writers got fresh air and sunshine, and they do not care for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, when the taping let out, the reviews came in, uh, and those fans said it was a great show. It was just just incredible, and I'm so glad he's back. The show was fabulous. The smile on his face when he first heard the applause, you could tell he missed it, so I'm really glad he's back. Yeah, the only challenge these shows will have is the actor strike, which means they can't have actors in for those five- to seven-minute interviews, because that's part of the deal. As they walk the picket line, they've asked people who are pushing vehicles or part of movies and TV shows not to go on the late night shows until that deal, that contract, SAG-AFTRA, is worked out.